and welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel. It's been a long time since we've recorded, haven't, hasn't mm. it? I mean, viewers of the video side, you know, I, I know there's some continuity we, we errors. Didn't, we didn't change anything. No, we haven't changed. We just, <laughs> I happen to be wearing the exact same clothes I wore a week ago when we last recorded. Same. I, I just totally. did laundry, so. That, that's how that works, right? <laughs> you know. And yeah, I have a seven-day hat cycle, so this one just showed up again. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens. Like you, ha- you have like this weird one where it's like a like a snake draft. It just <laughs> so happened that mathematically it somehow worked out. This is one of the few shir- hats that matches the shirt. So. Yeah, I wonder how many people believe us on this. You know, <laughs> no, no, one. no one, no. But if you viewed our last, we actually this is our second episode in the same evening. Um, if you're watching us live, you know that. Um, so if you're not watching us live, why not? Why not? Yeah, come join us live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a good fun here. Um, yeah, twitch.tv slash everyday board games we'll talk more about it later but we we love getting involved with our viewers and talking with them on a live episode but really we just had on a pretty cool guest uh, yeah. daniel solace um designer of many cool games junk orbit kodama space time or space wow, battle that, lunch that time show up at all no no that glare was brutal um yeah no yeah, no, yeah, no. But that's fine and then also trickster which is another one i own yeah. so some pretty in, intriguing stuff and again, we want to thank him for coming on to the podcast. But you and I were talking recently, and uh, due to life and just our recording schedule, we did our top 100. Yeah. We didn't have enough time to talk about any of the games we've been playing. Yeah, so basically, uh, Dice Tower calls it like a catch-up palooza. This is a catch-up for Dulas to talk what we've played. Yes, so we're <laughs> going to go over approximately about two months of games that we've played. Uh, we're going to rapid-fire this. That's a lot of games. Uh, and some of these are, like, repeats, so I don't have to talk a lot about right. it. So, like, if one, when it comes up, I'll talk about it then, and I'll tell you another time. That's right. Play. That's right. So we're going to go through this. Um, <laughs> Daniel, are you ready to begin? Yeah, I'm ready. Good, because I'm not. Um, I'm so glad you are. Okay, right, now I am. Here we go. And I have a new coin of doom, which, by the way, this is from the 25th anniversary of the Baton Memorial Death March. So, uh, big, hefty coin. Our previous coin of doom, very tiny compared to this. So let's give it a give it a chunk. Ow, that'll be mine, I believe. Do we agree that that's heads? That's, that's heads. heads. That's yeah. Tells, yeah. Okay, that's what I figured too. All right, so I played a game called Holly Festival of Colors from uh, Floodgate Games. Absolutely stunningly gorgeous game. You have uh, it's based off of uh, the Festival of Holly, where mm-hmm. you're throwing paint around. Like uh, uh, I guess it would be just like like dry paint mm-hmm. and you're coloring the streets coloring yourselves coloring the people it's a really cool idea and this you're throwing these colors into the air and you have three different levels of clear uh plastic grid and they go down level per level and it is clear plastic which is awesome so if you were to throw something on the top level it's going to keep falling down until it either lands on somebody in which mm-hmm. in case you give them the token for points that you'll get points later on because they have your paint on them and uh or if it lands on other things it'll just be spread around and once you have been completely surrounded by paint you can jump up a level and thus getting more paint up on higher levels will be worth more points it's a really cool premise um really simple i played this with my son we liked it a lot and of course we spent some time at game vault in el paso highly recommend that store that's holly festival of colors i highly recommend it i'm gonna give it uh, let's see here. My initial impression, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Here we go. Yep. Uh, well, I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, so the first game I'm going to talk about, we kind of mentioned it during the top 100. I'm surprised you skipped this one. 
uh, because we only touched on it briefly. Uh, and this one was one you and me both played. It's a two-player only game. This is Twilight Struggle. Uh, it's a push-and-pull game where you're trying to make sure you're not playing cards of the other person because they'll get a special ability. You're trying to either move your point total one way or uh, wait till the end of the, what is it, eight rounds or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. But, yeah, no, I can see why it was a top 100. Or it is a top 100 game, why it was number one for so long. Mm-hmm. It is really good. If it wasn't for the fact that it's two-player only, I would probably pick up myself a copy. It's just two-player yeah. games don't get played a lot here. But, man, was that one good. I really, really, I still think about it. Like, when they were talking about, like, the newest um, Twilight Struggle game, like the, the mm-hmm. Horn of Africa or something like that, mm-hmm. I'm like, that sounds interesting, but it doesn't sound as much fun as, like, encompassing right. the whole world. The whole world was uh, brutal. So, I was yeah. just brutalizing you by playing Asian cards. Yes. Uh, because I just, I kept triggering scoring <laughs> in Asia. And so, it ended up... Uh, affecting you and it was down to the last card play if i hadn't done that and pushed it to the the 20 points yeah um i won to one because in the next round you had full control of europe which yep. you could have triggered the scoring then because yep. you always break ties which can i just say i absolutely love that idea of like though these scoring cards come up and you pretty much must play them mm-hmm. when they come up you don't have that option but you choose when you play them mm-hmm. like that's that's such a cool premise and i like that a lot and I, re- I remember my favorite thing about the Twilight uh, Struggle when we were playing it is when I snuck control of certain cities in Asia. Yeah. I was like, when did you do that? Right. No, that was that was brilliant. Because you were too busy trying to control Western Europe. We had too many jaw-dropping moments in that yeah. game that it was it was really impressive. Like, I mean, that is 100% not my style of game. But exactly, I, same. I love it. I it think was, it was fantastic. so good. All right, the next game I want to talk about is a small little card game from Oink Games. It's called Scout. It's this is the one that you uh, that you mentioned when we played Twilight Struggle. You said yes. you wanted to talk about this one. I want to talk about Scout. No, Scout is so cool. Um, it's very simple how it works. Is that you have a number of cards in your hand. Each of them has a number on each side. It is exactly the numbers 1 through, I think, 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. And it has you know every permutation of that. So uh, every 1 and 10 on the other side, there's only one copy of that. So you have these cards. You have them shuffled up. And at the beginning of each hand, you choose which orientation your hand is going to be, but then you can never change the order. Then you're playing cards that have to beat the previous played cards. So if you put down a single card, I can put down any card that is a higher number, single, mm-hmm. or I can put any two-card combination, whether that's two cards in a row or two of the same number. It's always either in a row or of the same number. So let's say I put down a pair of threes. Well, you can put down a pair that's higher, or any three-card combination. You keep doing this until you either can't play or choose not to play. And then you recruit. When you recruit, you take one of the cards from the previously played one. And you add that to your hand on either side. Making those combinations that you need to play later on. But also making it easier for the next player. Because if you have a three fives and I can't play to that. And I take one of your fives. Well, they only have to beat a pair of fives now all of a sudden. Brilliant game. That deterioration in between each hand, mm-hmm. the the way that you control which which side of the card goes through. Because I had seen that deck before. There was like a, a split playing cards that do that same idea. And I had seen that idea before, but the way they implement this, it is absolutely elegant. It works really well, and it is super fun. I highly recommend it. If I ranked this, this would be a 9 out of 10, easily. Scout by Oink Games. 
He's just giving you uh, reviews because he's trying to make a point with me. Cause no, I, no, I'm not trying to make a review podcast. I, I want this to go. I want this to be like, yeah, my initial impression. I think that was a nine out of ten. I was really impressed by it. Yeah, I'm not doing that because I go for it. Uh, I want people to make their own decisions based on what we're saying, not our rankings. Okay, that's fine. Uh, so the next one, I'm actually going to cheat. I'm going to talk about three games, and it's because Sir. they all kind of. They all from the same guy, Phil Walker Harding. It's his series, of, uh, series of three games that he released on Kickstarter. Right. Uh, first one I'm going to talk about is Pass the Party Food. It's a fun little um, co-op game where you're trying to have a successful party without the dog ruining it. Uh, what my favorite thing about this game though is the the mechanism where you have to pull something from the bag and then right then and there you have to decide if it's going to go to you or one of your neighbors. And so, for, but the first thing always has to go to Ziggy first, and so the dog, which is the dog, and so that mechanism where it's like, okay, I got this. Oh, I see you're working on that, and you're working on that. But I pulled this, and I really don't want this. So you know what? You have a better chance of getting the straight across. So I'll give it to this person, and then I pull another one. It's the same one. It's like I don't need this, and so you have to make a decision of how you're pushing that food around. Uh, to make sure you have abilities to swap where you can swap with another player on the table. Like, okay, I'm going to give you this when you give me that. This way mm-hmm. I can complete this and move up on the track. Or <clears throat> take something straight away from uh, Ziggy this way. Okay, we're he's getting really close, so maybe we should take that away. Because if he's ever on your level at the end of your turn or past you, you automatically lose the game. Uh, the other one is Scribbly Gum, which is a, a nice little roll and write, or flip and write game where mm-hmm. you're just flipping some stuff, you're following tracks based on a, a worm that eats the bark of a tree, and that's why it's called a scribbly gum tree. It's yep. um, so a nice little simple. It's probably not my favorite of his flipping right, rolling right games, but it, it's nice. Um, it's up there with like Super Mecha Luggy Box and Silver and Gold, kind of like the same context. So if you played either one of those, you might like this one. Sure. And then the last one is Busy Beaks, where it's a card drafting, where you're the trying to make, the, making flocks of birds and scoring the most points. It's fine. I've played it two, three, and four players. It's probably my favorite of the three, uh, but it's not as good. as It always gets compared to something like Wingspan. It's, it's right. really, really a simple game, so you shouldn't really be comparing it to Wingspan. The only thing they have in common is birds. Yeah, It's basically just a card. You play a card, you do with power... You collect cards. Once you get five of a flock, you score it, and then you can get the point total. So if you're the if you score the five, you get the highest point total that's out there. There's a limited number, and if you're the first one to score that type of flock, you get a point. And each bird has their own different bird powers. It's it's a neat game. Um, I like the concept of it, but I don't like the fact that it gets compared to Wingspan. Okay, fair enough. My next one is a party game. It's along a trilogy of games, and I'm sure there's going to be more uh, from. Repos Productions, I believe. The first was Just One. The second was... Um, Clover. So Clover. And now this one is Fun Facts. It's the next one. And it's definitely the simplest out of all of them. This one, one's kind of like the Wits and the Wager one. Yeah. Right? Where so you're trying to... We're cooperatively working together. We all have little dry erase boards that are in the shape of arrows. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it'll ask us a question that could be completely subjective or objective, you know, depending on the, mm-hmm. the nature of the question. Like some, it's like, oh, well, like, how many years would you take off of your life um, to know all of the knowledge in the world or whatever, you know, like how many years would you be willing to give away or um, like what's the longest you've ever spent on your phone or like something like this. Right. And you're or like, or who's, 
or like how many states have you been to? Something like this, yeah. right? And you write down your number, but then you put your number face down. And the first person who read the question, they put theirs out. Everyone else puts it either lower or higher. The mm-hmm. next person puts it lower or higher. Then it's like timeline in a way um, where the second the second person in a row has to put it either higher than both, lower than both, or in the middle. And then continue until you think you all have it in the right way. I've been playing this with my coworkers lately. It's absolutely fantastic. It works really well. Um, yeah, you know, you do need a group of people to play properly. That's right. Uh, but again, I've been using this as with the game with my coworkers, and this has been a great icebreaker. Yeah. Where we'd all talk. It's like, oh, who of us would be, you know, like on a scale of one to one hundred, who likes water the most? Like. And it's like mine was pretty darn low because okay, I don't swim. Don't, I don't do like I don't. I knew yours were going to be low because <laughs> I was like a five or two. I definitely don't like rain. You hate rain. Uh, like so, like and then so some people were like, "Oh, I'm a ninety-five. I'm a ninety. I'm like a five. And they didn't know that about me. Yeah. Until I went on that rant about how rain is just the worst. And so like it, it's hilarious. Rain's it's, not that bad. Yeah, you can yeah whatever. Um. But either way, I got rained on like you wouldn't believe at Disney. <laughs> it was crazy. No, I, that would not be the happiest place in the world at that point. Actually, it was nice. It kept the crowds away. <laughs> that's, that's a good reason, <laughs> you know. But no, I yeah, it, it's such a cool icebreaker with people. I like it. It's fun. Uh, fun facts. That's the next one I've been playing. All right, the next one I want to talk about. Um, you actually enjoyed this one too. This is mind you, this is all the way back on February eighth, the last time we played this one. So that's a bit of a waste, but I really, really did enjoy this game. It, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of um, real-time games, yeah. but this one was so fun because you're like, okay, start sitting them that way. We kind of kind of figured how we were going to do things mm-hmm. where uh, me and our friend Gamehead Geek and you and our other friend Dom were, worked out a plan. Me and Gamehead Geek were like, we're going to sit here, just sit them our way, we're going to mow right. them down. <laughs> and so... While you guys were taking care of, like, all the the little stuff that you had to take care of, like, you had to destroy the spawning points or the four different areas you had to go over there. And then we all had to get run down. So we're making sure they're not hitting into our base. You guys are running, taking care of the stuff you needed to. It's all dice rolling in, like, what, five minutes or something like that? Oh, yeah. And it's like, if you roll a certain die, then you have to start moving monsters and stuff like that. And so it's just like, okay, okay, I got this set. Now I can send him my way for I can kill him. Mow him down. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a blast. I didn't think I was going to like it as much. as Everybody says it's a really fun game, and I understand it now. It is. Because yep. it is, it's just plain and simple what game should be fun. Yep. It's not something that's going to hurt your brain. It's not going to be something that's no. going to break your brain. It's just roll some dice and kill some things, meet some goals, and win the game. Yeah, hope that's, for the best. Hope yeah. for the best. It was very good. I enjoy it. So I enjoyed it enough where I'm thinking about if I can find a copy for myself, I'll pick it up. That is Project Elite. Very cool. Next one I want to talk about was a small little uh, card and dice game called Trick or Treat. This was, I got this as part of like a few different like little handheld older games. Mm-hmm. Um, Queen's Ransom was one of them. I got this and uh, a two-player Mahjong game, which I still haven't played yet. But um, Trick or Treat has some pretty good components. Basically, you're just trying to roll different jack-o'-lanterns, trying to use the, get the ones that are in front of you, pass them to the other players, and then whoever has uh, the least amount of candy will get... Or, I'm sorry, least amount of jack-o'-lanterns at the end of the round, which is timer, um, will get those. And it's a silly little game. Uh, good in concept. Um, however, here's the problem. <laughs> this game was awful because, <laughs> and I played this with children who it's, that's the target and the, the dice 
correspond to the cards, you either have what shape their eyes are, like whether they're mad, angry, or sad. Or, I'm sorry, what, what shape their mouth is, whether they're, they're, they're frowning, they're happy, or they're just indifferent. What color each of their eyes or mouth are, whether it's yellow or orange on an older game. And then which direction the little stem on the jack-o'-lantern was. Until I read the rules, I had no idea there was a difference. Honestly, I didn't notice that there was a difference. I didn't look at it close enough. And I was kind of wondering why this was. And the the details on the dice, which are pretty nicely made dice, honestly. For, especially for an older game. For an older game, yeah. It wasn't bad. Uh, but the details are so small. And the, the game has to account for, if I pick up a dice that's incorrect and I pass it to you, you, per the instructions, have to double check it. Make sure it actually matches. If it does, then you take the card and re-roll the die into the middle. If it doesn't, then you just simply give them back that and give them one of your jack-o'-lanterns in the process. It didn't work. Kids are supposed to have fun with that. All of the kids I played with were like, eh, that's okay. We don't need it. No, it, But maybe for its time, in all honesty. How old was it? Uh, like, I want to say early 2000s. Like, it so, was, yeah, uh, it might have been a little older, but for its time, sure, it might have been good. Yeah. Well, you gotta think about it. judging by the board game geek reviews, it was never considered that. I was gonna say, you also gotta think about the fact that when it was coming out, too. It's like, 2000s, there was great games, but there wasn't yeah. a plethora. It was early, it was early, uh, Rio Grande games. I know Yeah, that. so. Yeah, no, it wasn't, it was sad, but trick or treat. All right, so the next one I'm going to talk about was a game we also played on that night, and everybody went home late. Yep. Um, I think I remember correctly that you are, like, fine staying late because... That was uh, one of the few I, I was okay with. Because uh, they were delaying school or something like that. Yeah. Weather. Yeah. Weather. Uh, and this one is... Weather delay. Lords of Hellas. Mm-hmm. It's a, I, honestly, it's one of those games where we always talk about it. We mentioned it earlier in the, the previous podcast with uh, Daniel Solis. Uh-huh. We have a, a system called Damn It, Whoever's Name. Insert yes. name here. Yeah. Uh, this one is not one of those games. No. Where I'm fine with our friend owning it. Uh, our mutual friend Dom owns it. I think Gamehead Geek as well now. I think he picked it up on one of his Bookman runs. Yeah. I'm fine either of them having it. Uh, I'll play it if they want to play it, but it's not one of my favorite games. I like what it does. I really love the statues. I think those things are cool. The, the you know, building. So I'm gonna I'm, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember a thing about this game <laughs> until you just brought up the statues. The statues were cool looking. I don't I don't remember how any of the function of it works. It's basically uh, action selection. So you have different things, and then you reset by building something, and then you can get stuff back. Uh, I think you have to do like the first action to reset everything. It's fine. Uh, it, it's interesting how it plays, but again, it's not something I'm going to go out of my way for. Hey, if I catch it on a deal, maybe just because those minis are really cool. Uh, I remember our friend Gamehead Geek was talking about like I was going to glue these together, and we're like, no, no, that's no. The, that's the main concept of the game is you're building these statues. Right. Uh, I made that mistake. Yeah, yeah. so it, it was really good. It's a uh, Kind of a dudes on the map, kind of an action selection, kind of like a worker placement because you're building stuff up as well. Um, it's a, a catch-all for a lot of me- mechanisms, but I enjoyed it, but it's not something I'm, uh, I like. I know my wife would not enjoy it, so no. I was like, I'm not going to go out of my way and pick it up. You're right, I don't. <laughs> According to your wife. <laughs> you're basically the work wife. Uh, that's right. So the next game I want to talk about was a qu- another one of those uh, little small little card games that I got, got a hold of. It's called Queen's Ransom. You have, uh, the idea is you're trying to figure out where the queen was uh, kidnapped to, well, mm-hmm. 
from the one of the three suspects or one of the three locations that she's being stored at. Um, you do this by figuring out each each of the locations and each of the suspects have, you know, either a likelihood or an alibi cards that either give it plus one, plus two, or minus one, or minus one, I think. And because of math, like, there's no way that there's always going to be one that has well, either two or three. Uh, Queen's Ransom. Okay, yeah, yeah. And this is the one of the other small ones. So yeah, pick that yeah, up. this is the other small one, and it, it's it's kind of a cool little game. Like you're trying to deduce where the location and the other spot. Uh, I played this twice, uh, one with a group of kids, one with my son. Uh, both times worked pretty well. Um, it wasn't bad. We we did enjoy it. There is uh, there is some take that in it where it's like, oh well, I'm just gonna take this entire row of cards and just shuffle them up. So now you don't know what. What you were looking for, you know, and that's kind of silly. Like, I don't mind it. It's the game isn't long enough where it's that bad. But one thing that I thought was hilarious is that there's also money cards where you can pay the jester to look at this information, and that changes every round. And mm-hmm. one of the funniest parts was like, there's a card where it's like, oh, we'll reveal the top five or the top four cards, and any money cards you just take. And every time I play that against one of these kids. I got, like, nothing. I just got action cards. And he would get, like, the most expensive, valuable money. And, you know, it's random. It happens. Yeah. But it, that I just, that that little silliness was really fun in it. Um, yeah, I mean, this was, it was, I wouldn't say, it's better than Mediocre. Better than Mediocre. Better than that Halloween game? Definitely better than the Halloween game. But, so, overall, Queen's Ransom, you know, it's, if I ranked it, about a 6 out of 10. So, the next game I'm going to talk about is one that was both in our top 100. And it, it's gone along the lines of, it's just fun. It's not, it's got fun art. It's got a uh, little tongue-in-cheek uh, humor in it. It's not for everyone. No. It's a small-ish kind of card game where you're summoning demons. Ooh. Let's summon choice. demons. Uh, yep. We did play this uh, back in February, middle of February. Uh, I showed it to a group of friends of mine, and my wife, despise this game <laughs> it's just because she had a chance of winning I'm and then curious, all her yeah. cards got stolen one of our friends got one of those demons that just allow you to steal someone's sure. cards and so yeah. she had the i win uh card basically out there and so yep. she was just trying to roll i think it was a 12 or something like that yep. uh but then all her stuff got uh stolen and then he ended up winning because he had the three demons and on his turn he got all the souls that he needed yep so but it's a fun game i again it's lucky. It shouldn't be as fun as it is. Right. I can understand why people don't like it, whether it's okay because, with the luck, it's all right. Uh, religion or just because of how lucky it is. My sure. wife does not like lucky games. Right. She uh, like she still loves space space, but that's because there's a lot more. There's going a to lot it. more mitigation. In yeah. Too. Whereas yeah. this one, it's just it's luck based. But uh, everybody enjoyed the humor with it, though. Everybody loved the the humor on that one. So I, cool. I do have to say that was fun. Uh, another big gripe was uh, the fact that the cards were uh, like, um, what is it called? Coasters. Oh, round. Yeah, yeah. Round round coasters. Was, was so like, it just it felt awkward holding it. That's what they were saying. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. Try shuffling those. Yeah. <laughs> but all in all, it was not so I don't like shuffling that. You and I both like this game. It was on our top 100s both. Right. So. Cool. Uh, next game I want to talk about. We talk about Magic Butt games here, in the, here over the podcast. Uh, mid '90s was really when that kind of took off. With like every company ever made a collectible card game of some kind. Yeah, pretty so, much. So um, our local comic shop got an abundance of old, obscure, uh, defunct trading card games, and it was kind of like, yeah, let's see if anybody is interested in it. So I learned a few, and one is literally a magic, but something else because it was made. 
<coughs> by Wizards of the Coast, and it was designed to be a simple version of Magic. Magic, okay. And it's called C23. You um, were telling me about yes. this one. And it works very simple. Um, a lot of the things that you can do in Magic, like you have resource cards, those are basically mana. You only have three different colors, and they kind of work in different ways. Um, the, the three different colors, yeah, red, green, blue. And as opposed to the five that's in Magic. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. a lot of his stuff also talks like, uh, sounds like Keyforge and his stuff. Where yeah, you have uh, like but the... it's a lot simpler than Keyforge. Okay. Like, it's literally like, um, <laughs> it's like Magic Light. It mm-hmm. is very, very simple. But it uses a system called the Arc System, which apparently if you know how to play the Arc System, you know how to play every game that's in the Arc System. Because it's literally just Magic Light. Mm-hmm. So, Hercules... Uh, Xena Warrior uh, Princess. Yeah, yeah, Those yeah, are yeah. all arc Isn't systems. The... No, Tomb Raider's not in this one. No, Tomb Raider is a very different game. Yeah. But uh, we played this, and I played it a few times over the past couple months, and actually it goes over pretty well. Normally when I play with Magic players, but when they see it, it's like, oh, well, I can put, like, Xena with, like, this weird steampunk, like, yeah. character from C23, and it's totally compatible. Cool. cool. Why not? Yeah. Let's try it. And so, yeah, Richard Griffin was, was tied to that as well, right? Yeah, Obviously, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, he was the main. Uh, he was the main resource. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for as like, if you just want to play a really quick, simple game of Magic, because now it's a little more like complicated and advanced. This is actually if you can find some old packs of C Arc system, anything. Mm-hmm. If you know how to play Magic, you know how to play it. So easy peasy. All right. So the next game I'm going to talk about is your second favorite Stonemaier game. Uh, this is the reprint of Libertalia. This one's called The Winds of Galecrest. That's right. Uh, I do enjoy this game a lot. I never, uh, well, I did play the original Libertalia so far, like in the early part of my gaming. It, mm-hmm. it was fine, but I was kind of overdone with pirates yeah. for the longest time, and because it was just pirates, everything. Like uh, I think the big part of it too is that that push your luck card game. Right. That you made me play the pirate one. I can't remember what's called uh, Dead Man's Draw or something like that. Yeah, Dead Man's Draw. Mm-hmm. I, was not a fan of that game, and I think a lot of that just because I was kind of done with pirates too. Sure, uh, but l- playing Libertalia again uh, with cleaner rules, some of the stuff that they're doing—it's it's so simple. It's easier to teach than you would realize. Yeah. There are some moving parts, like you got to remember uh, the day, the way it works, and then the dusk way it works, and then the night triggers every time as long as they're not in your graveyard and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, so if you have a crewman in your um, ship itself. They'll trigger every night phase, so if you play them early enough, I love the aspect of the reputation where uh, they'll determine the line. So the sun, whoever's the lowest, is always going to trigger first. So if you have a higher reputation than me and we play the same number, because everybody has the same numbers in their hands, uh, we play the same number, I'll go before you during the sun, but I will go after you during the dust phase when we're all picking... uh, Treasures and stuff like that. I love this game. It's a fun concept. There's a stack of cards. One deck basically drives it. So you shuffle one deck, you pull six cards, and you give everybody the numbers. And then the next uh, phase, you pull six more, or yeah, six more cards, give everybody the numbers. Everybody has the same cards in their hand. I love everything about this game. I find it enjoyable. This is the second time I've played it uh, this year um, from when I was doing this track. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I enjoy it a lot. Awesome. This game I want to talk about uh, is along Cosmos' two-player line. Um, they've had a lot of ones like Lost Cities and, and mm-hmm. uh, Ka- Ka- Kahlua. Um, no, that's not it. Kahuna? Kahuna. Yeah, was, <laughs> Kahlua's the alcohol Yeah, player. Kahlua's. A, <laughs> um, Speaking of Disney, speaking I had of to Disney. have a Kahlua coffee because it was so cold. Oh, wow. That's, that must have <laughs> cool. Um, no, it, this is another one along those lines. Uh, it's called Asante. Um, I got a chance to play with my son. 
And this is a reprint, isn't it? Uh, it's it's a remake of Jambo. It's like a, it's okay, a sequel yeah. of Jambo. It's a sequel of Jambo. That's what it is. They're compatible. Yeah. yeah. So like that fully compatible. Um, this is cool. You basically just start with like twenty gold. You have to get like I think forty or sixty gold. Okay. Um, and so the way you're going to do it is by buying goods, of having exactly what you need, have, by using animals or abilities or characters or whatever to either convert your goods or get points. Or activate one of the regions that are in the middle. Because mm-hmm. you can only have like three active artifacts out at a time. Okay. And when you play it on one of those, your opponent gets that art or gets the location card that they can use for an ability later. It's kind of a cool little idea. Um, trying to mitigate exactly when or how, like if you're able to sell your resources by what you have. Or whether you want to spend money to make money right now. Or if you want to wait for a better outcome. It's pretty good. Um, I, you know, it's one of those games where it's like the more you play, the better you, the experience you're going to have as yeah. more, more people delve into it, I feel. But from Rudiger Dorn, I've never really played many of his card games only. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely the most complicated out of all of his, <laughs> all of the stuff. I mean, you're talking to stuff like, um, you know, you, you have like the little path building card game that that's escaping me right now. Uh, um, path building? No. I was yeah, thinking Karuba, but no. Karuba. No, that's it. Okay. Karuba. That's Rudiger Dorn. Um, Istanbul, you know, that's like, yeah, yeah. that. that's actually less complicated than this, than Asante. And so it's a cool game. I, I like it a lot, but it definitely wasn't like my favorite game that I've ever played by him, but I am curious to delve more into it and learn more about it. Okay. So the next game I'm going to talk about is one of the more newer games. I think it recently came out either late last year or early this year, and it's Bruno Cathala. So this one is Orcalcum. Oh, yep. Okay. That's it. Uh, and again, Pandasaurus is really knocking it out of the park with a lot of their designs recently. And Bruno Cathala is one of my favorite designers. I like most of the games I've played of his. Yeah. Um, Abyss is one of my favorites of all time. Or Calcum, though, it's interesting how this one works. If you remember playing Ishtar, where you take yeah. a car and you also get a land, you have to play it. Mm-hmm. This is a simpler version of it. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, where you take a card, you take a land. If there's a monster on it, you have to fight the monster before you can score wins. It's the first person to five victory points. Okay. Uh, there's different ways you can get the victory points, uh, even including getting a titan. They're a temporary uh, point because someone can actually steal that titan from you. So if you have that titan on you, you want to try to get all your other points up there. But you can only ever have one titan unless you have a special ability that allows you to have two. Therefore, you only need to get three points since you have two Titans. I really, really do adore this game. It's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, putting those tiles out there, and then the way the tiles come up, it's like, here's the card that flips up. You need a three tile, a two tile, or one tile. And if you do like a, a thing of five different tiles, uh, or three different tiles, um, then you can pull something and put it on that tile, but now that no longer uh, represents a desert or something like that. Gotcha, okay. Uh, so you're building off those tiles too, but those also give you your resources. So if you build sure. a uh, uh, a training camp, you get hoplites. If you build a mine, you get uh, treasures. And the reason why that's important is because one of the points is um, you need to get five tiles of different types for you to place a uh, temple over it. And then the temple gotcha. gives you a victory point, and okay. it's there for you permanently, so you get that victory point permanently. There's okay. another one where you can just outright buy a victory point by spending so many gems, and that gives you victory points. And then, of course, mm. the titans and stuff like that. There is a lot of moving parts, but it's actually simple. It's longer than it should be, uh, okay. but it is it is a fun, fun game. Cool. Next one I want to talk about along the same lines is the uh, 
uh, TCGs, the defunct ones. I played another <laughs> one called Wyvern. Came out in 1994. This yeah, this one, it looks like magic. Oh my goodness, does it look like magic. But the idea, the difference is, you have six face-down cards in two rows of three. <coughs> each one could either be a dragon, uh, which is what you battle against each other, or it could be um, a landscape or something like that. I forget what it is. Uh, but basically, it's a trap, is what it is. And so, on your turn, you're potentially going to be boot bolstering up your uh, your wyverns. You're going to be attacking other players' cards. Your goal is to get rid of their six cards before they get rid of yours. First player to do that wins. And uh, it, it has some fun stuff going into it. There is one interesting part. First, it's uh, made by Mike Fitzgerald, which is... He's still making games mm-hmm. to this day. Um, and I had the the liberty of meeting him a number of years ago, and he's a pretty nice guy. Um, but on top of that, this system, even though it looks so much like magic, I'm, I'm glad it's not like straight up just the head-to-head, like, battle each other out. It's more it's more akin to Pokemon. Pokemon plays much more similar to this okay. than, than magic does. And it works pretty well. You know, I wasn't disappointed in it. I, I would be curious to see it again. But it definitely got my magic fix out of it. Um, oh. Again, I liked it just about as much as as um, probably C twenty three. Okay. Just if I had to compare the two, maybe a little bit less, but that's just because I played Magic for so many years. Yeah. So the next one I'm going to talk about is a game that you showed me over at your house. Uh, speaking of Sid Saxon, we talked we were oh, talking yes. about before we started recording uh-huh. on this one. This one is called Buried Treasure. Buried Treasure. That's right. I really, really did enjoy this one. It's it's very simple. You're just pulling cards. You're trying to make the most of a set. This way, you can get the most points depending uh-huh. on what the scoring card is. Very simple game. You're you're also stealing from other players if you do something along that lines where you you take a card that has like a paw on it or. Um, you take a card that also says, hey, you can get another card of this color. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very simple. So it's like, do I really want to become the majority of this points because I know people are going to start still me? Or yeah. do I take the majority of the second place? This way I know I'm going to score pretty good right. over here without having to worry about people trying to get the most uh, points. Right. I, I really did enjoy it. It's a very simple little card game. What makes it so brilliant is that not only do ties matter, like most in most games, ties are like, oh, split the difference. No. Yeah. Since I said, if you have a tie, you are canceled so, out. Yeah. You do not have a running in this. So and then the I, person who had the second most actually gets the first point yeah. points. Or... I loved it in a three-player game. It was so hilarious when I would just look over and say, all right, well, you have nine and you have seven. If I stole two from you, I'm suddenly now in first place with three. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a hilarious yeah. It's one of the funniest things. You could just look over and you see it. It's so simple, yeah. too. It's yeah. a really, really simple game. It's not yeah. that hard to teach. It plays pretty quickly. It's one of those filler games that we talk about a lot that yeah. plays in 15, 20 minutes once oh, you yeah. know the game. It's it's really good. Yeah, I love it. Very treasure. Good choice. You're on the 15th as well? Yep. All right, Switching Tracks is my next one because <laughs> uh, we're on the same game day right now. Switching Tracks was a game that I played a long while ago, and I wanted to talk about it real quick just because it's a pick-up-and-deliver but you have this awesome ability in this. It's, you have kind of like this engine building, you mm-hmm. know, because you're building up your train. They're making them a little bit faster. But then you're also able to switch tracks on there. And all the tracks are either one of two things. They're the two, um, like, curved angles on the corners. And they're little square tiles. Or they're the cross. And so you can either rotate it or flip it to the other side. And I'll leave if, the next two for you. I'll talk about the, yeah, the last one. We if, you, if you plan it in, a, in the right way you are able to just completely like take your train and just launch across the map 
and hit like like three other different like we areas. saw it a lot with our buddy. It, it was amazing, <laughs> and that little solving of the puzzle, like I mean, other than the game not being that pretty. It functionally worked fine. I, I did like the um, the uh, storage facility too, where you could just like I'm gonna move stuff off my train here, yeah. and then go over here, then yep. I could sell them over here, and then exactly I those extra abilities, <laughs> like because you're you're not going by points. Every other game like this would be whoever could do the best points, like furthest distance, best points. No, this is literally like um, you have to fulfill a certain number of contracts, and, and they a have to be different. And yeah, you have to have at least one of each of like four different types. Um, but instead, like every time you fulfill a contract, you just get a, an ability, mm-hmm. and that's such a cool way to ramp up the game. It's not; it's literally just first to like five contracts. Some are stuff yeah. that stay there for a while. Some are like instant, yep. but the instant ones were really powerful. Yep, exactly. It was super cool. I like it a lot. Switching tracks from Watsopoag Games. So the next about game, eight out of ten. I'm going to talk about is another Sitzax, and I'll leave the other two for you because okay. you probably remember them more than I do. But this one is Sleuth, and Sleuth is basically a simple deduction game. The older, older one, too. This yep. is, what, 80s, 70s, 80s? Uh, yeah, probably around that line. Uh, They're still being printed today, but, it, but not it's, by much. It's so good. It, it, it's probably up there in my top five Sid Saxon games, in all yep. honesty. Probably my top three, because I think it's like Can't Stop, A Bazaar, and yep. um, this one. Because I really, really did enjoy the, the deduction aspect of it. You basically, you play a card, you ask the person... One of the people at the table, uh, basically, show me your green cards or show me your green pearls mm-hmm. or just basically how many green cards do you have, depending on the card you're playing in front of you. And everybody knows what kind of questions you can talk about because they're in front of you. Yep. The only thing you have hidden is what's in your hand, but when they ask you, you slide the cards to someone else, uh, you kind of pay attention to you, and to the point you have a little notepad that you're writing, okay... Well, I saw you slide two blue cards, so okay, I know I have these blue cards, so let me just mark off what I think you might have and put a question mark on it. It was <clears throat> so good. It got to the point where we're like, and it played quickly. I think it was only like 30, yeah. 45 minutes, um, where it's like I had two choices that I wanted to get, and my buddy beat me to one of the choices I had. I was like, right. it's either going to be this or the red diamond, which it turned out to be the red diamond. Right. And so, yeah, I had a blast with this one. It's a really good, quick uh deduction game i've become more and more a fan of true deduction games like this mm-hmm. cryptid stuff like yeah. that social deduction yeah <laughs> never seen, oh how do you think i think versus no what are you thinking <laughs> it's a very very different um yeah the other one i'm going to talk about is a quick little card game uh with a board of italy called condottiere um this is kind of an older game in like mm-hmm. uh fantasy flight silverline um yeah, it's a small box game, but small box, but a lot of play though. Yeah. I mean, like it, they had some really cool things. Like you only draw cards based on like, like you refill your hand, but then you you gain more cards for areas you control. But you have to spend a lot of cards to do it, and all the cards work in drastically different ways. There's the numbers one through six or ten. Whoever plays the highest total um, will win that. But there's cards like the seasons might actually make it so like oh your high the highest one collectively is worth three more. That affects everybody. Or winter suddenly makes everything one. Mm-hmm. Or like priests, like whoever has the most of those gets to choose the next one. But also like makes people discard like their highest valued of ones. Then you have the heroines who are like, uh, are the the women on there which have the red numbers are either one or tens. 
that are either like the best cards in the game, <laughs> yeah. like the tents, because they're not affected by winter. So suddenly, if I have one of those and like five other cards, you draw me from a total of like thirty to like sixteen all of a sudden. Yeah, and then another thing too with the the other heroines mm-hmm. is that um, whoever has the most of that uh, determines the yeah determines who's going to be the or who's going to when the next region is going to be. Yeah, because all you have to do is get out all five of your cubes mm-hmm. or um, like three or four connected. Uh, three. Like yeah, three connected. Five cubes or three connected. So, in a weird way, it's almost like an auction bid, but in a just a bizarre manner and how it works. The other thing, I think it was the priest block. Um, yes. Yeah, from yeah the bid. priest blocks a region from just being bid at all. Like, yeah. You just can't do it. You're not allowed. Until he gets moved. Yeah, until he gets <laughs> moved. Yeah, it's it's so cool. There's so many cool little special little things. Oh, I like the scarecrow. The scarecrow is, like... At first, you're like, "Oh, that doesn't sound good at all." Until you find out it's really good. Yeah, because scarecrow like, you, just you put place out. someone. Uh, you yeah, force someone. Like, okay, I saw what you're doing there. I'm not gonna win. You place your scarecrow and pull and a card you back. Pull up. a card back. So it's like, oh, suddenly I have this ten that's not that's now worth one. Okay, that's coming back. Yeah. And now I now you know it, but it's coming back in a later. Another thing I like about that too is that the scarecrow can only work on your line. It can't like yes. you can't pull up a heroine or any of the the red right cards. exactly. You can't pull up the red cards, which is because they're immune from everything. Thing, right and there's there's other little nuances and silly stuff like i mean the way you're talking about it like i know you were like yeah like, you fine, it, i liked it but now i think like i like the way the cards better. play the, yeah. the whole area control thing is kind of okay with yeah it. it's it's more of like a, a second thought like oh how do we like work this out no that's that's why it's there but the card play that's where it's yeah, it's funny i was telling you uh when we were playing this game it reminds me a lot of a, a video game card game uh called gwent from witcher oh, 3 okay. Because you're you are playing in a line, you're trying to basically take control of areas and make the most points. So it has weather cards in there that actually make things subtracting. But okay. you're playing in three lines in that one. So this that's what it reminded me a lot of the way the card plays. But the, the game itself is completely different than going because in the aspect of it is basically area control. Yeah. Because you're just trying to win certain areas. Cool. So my next game I'm going to talk about uh, moving on after the fifteenth uh, because there's one more and I think you're going to yep. probably talk about I will. it. Um, is Endangered. I've talked about this before. Um, I've played it a second time, third, third time, something like that, um, on this one. And it's really jumped up on my top 100 because I love the co-op aspect of it. Yeah. Um, because you're, you're rolling a set number of dice, and it's dice worker placement because you're trying to save the animals. There's quite a few ways to lose. There's only one way to win based on a number of player count tells you when the voting things are. So in a four-player game, it's five rounds, um, and you have to be, you got to make the votes. Uh, it can be lucky at times because some of those votes are based on dice rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the aspect of the way it works with the worker placement because you all have to decide who's going to go first, and then that person rolls their dice, and you hope to God they roll low <laughs> because there's only one spot that has multiple dice. There's no dice restriction on it, and it's basically yeah. just gets you money. But it's like, if I roll a one, okay, I know I'm going to put it here for I can do this action and not make it blocked off for someone. But I put a six over there, that blocks off someone until I pull my dice up, and I won't be able to do that till the next round. So I love that aspect that you decide who's going to go first, they roll their dice, and then they place them out there. They do all their three placements. And so it's like, okay, now I know what's going to be next. i got to roll my dice. And so... It's weird in the first round, but after the next rounds, when you're like, you need to go first because you need to take those sixes off over there because <laughs> yeah. we need those picked up. Um, and so, yeah, again, you don't pick up your dice at the end of the round, and you can only place on a card if your dice is one 
or higher than what's there. So you can right. you, so if I put a three somewhere, I can't match it with a three. I have to play a four or a five or a Makes six sense. to go to that space. Uh, it's a very fun game. Uh, the board's nice. The pieces are nice. I picked up an expansion because it was on sale, and I adore that one cool. uh, because it has a little sea turtle me- meeples. Oh, that's fun. That's but endangered. Awesome. The next game I want to talk about was, yeah, the one that you were talking about, Rhino Knizia Samurai. Old school game. Yeah. Area control. Incredibly simple. Drastically strategic. I was really impressed by the strategy that was involved with it. But all you're doing is you're just putting down a tile that's numbered one to three, and they influence uh, three different types of tokens. Um, so what, once a token is completely surrounded on land by a certain type, like there's little square like rice patties, um, there's little Buddhas and there's little pillars that represent like the generals, I think, or the, like the war. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I might play down like a three that influences war, but I'm putting it between two tiles, uh, and, and surrounding one. And you might put one that's like affecting the rice patty, but it's also going towards the other one. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to fill in these areas to where it's like, you know, you're going to have the majority and you're going to take the tokens from it, but you also want it to effectively apply elsewhere as yeah. well. And it works really well. I mean, it's beautifully simple. Some of the tokens will let you put ones in water. Some will let you take one back. Some mm-hmm. will let you uh, swap out people. ones. Some will just apply to anything. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. kind of like wild. Another and one I like you is that cards. you can swap things. So you could serve yeah. this uh, statue over here yeah. and put this over there. Oh, swap the tokens. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And and some, like, I like the idea of like just like, oh, well, I'm just going to put this here and then play another tile, which lets me play another tile. Mm-hmm. Then you can continue doing that and kind of comboing it's so simple it works really well and it's actually for that being an old game like an old rio grande game it's actually a really nice production too <laughs> yeah like it's I probably mean, one of their better productions i mean yeah i mean some of the newer games don't look as pretty as that one no uh, um, no they really it? don't beyond the sun yeah the cover no, is great the cover is great the game is, great. Is, <laughs> game is <laughs> no I, I highly recommend it samurai probably nine out of ten uh, so the next one I'm going to talk about is actually an older game. I think it came out in the late aughts. Okay. Um, it's a racing game about huskies. Snow oh, tails. You finally played it. I finally played it. Nice. Um, it's it's a fun game. I really really do enjoy it. Um, it is tricky because you uh, you have to match your speeds. You got to have synergy. You can't go. There's certain lines you can't speed over, or you take mm-hmm. dents into your thing. You can't bump into other people or you take dents. Once your hand's full of dents, you're out of the game. That's yep. what happened to me when we played it. Uh, you have to be smart because there's going to be curves. Uh-huh. And so you want your Huskies to move to the curves, so you want to play your cards uneven. And yep. so it's interesting how it works because you're going to play your cards that have numbers on it. So say I have a 5 and a 4, and my yep. break is a 4, so it be- basically becomes a speed of 5. Oh, but I- because the 5 is on the right-hand side, I have to drift once to the left. Makes sense. Because, or I yep. mean, on the left hand side, I have to drift one to the left because they're not even. It's it's very simple how it works, but oh my god, it's tricky how to get it because you don't know what cards you're going to have in your hand. You're like, right. well, oh, I got to be slower than a. And you could discard one of the numbers in your hand to change your break speed as well. Right. And because what happens is the two cards get added together and you subtract your break speed, and that's how far you get the move. Okay. Uh, first person across the finish line wins the game. Simple enough. But trying to get. Through those curves, okay, so the curve's going this way. I don't want to go this way or else I'm going to get a dent. Yeah. Uh, but someone's in my way. But there's a really cool aspect of it. If you synergize well and you play all your numbers together, mm-hmm. 
And depending on how far you back, you get to do an extra burst. So if I play five, 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 my speed is five because it's all synergized. But then if I'm in third place, I get to add three on top of that. So it's all or nothing, though. So if okay. I do decide to take that bonus, I have to go eight. Wow. The only problem with that is sometimes you got to go through a speed limit. And depending on how much you're over that speed limit is how many dents you get in your hand. And the dents can never be shed. You only have five cards in your hand. If you have five dents, you're out of the game. Oof. Yeah. So you got to be careful how you do it. But it's a really smart, fun game. I enjoyed it a lot. Cool. And I love Huskies, so. No, of course, yeah, Huskies are amazing. All right, next game I wanted to talk about was a party game. Uh, I don't, I normally don't play like eighteen plus party games, um, but this is one that I bought because one of the designers I'm quite a fan of his his designs, Ken Grohl, um, and this is called Left Right Dilemma. I bought this when we went to Tucson, and this game it's a very oh, simple right. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every card you pull has a left and a right option. Like, let's say, for example, um, you were like, me about what could one. you go a year without using? Your cell phone or toilet paper? You know, and that's the left and right. So you build a little pyramid of these cards. So you have one, then two, then three. And then on the bottom, you have the numbers Origin. one through six. And, yeah, <laughs> you have the numbers one through six. Then one person is picked to be the one who kind of chooses their, their own personal path. Yeah. Um, once they've done that, they put their little, they have a little dial that has numbers one through six. They put it face down. Then everyone else makes their predictions on which path that they would go down. Then after once everybody else has done it, you all reveal, not not the one person, but uh, our, my friend Jim, like his example, um, he, had to, he had to choose one, so he put it face down. Everyone else had to make their guesses. Then we all revealed it and then start, would discuss why we picked each way. And then we all take a vote to which one we're going to go with. Once we all decide, it's like, oh, well, like Danny knows him pretty well. So like, let's just pick his. Okay. So we check mine. If ours match cooperatively, we get a point. Trying to get a point out of, I think, six rounds. Yeah. Uh, up to six points. Um, the only reason it's an adult game is because some of the questions are incredibly adult. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean incredibly adult. Um, and I'm not going to go into details, but Jim was playing with his sister, and there was one question that was the first one that popped up that was incredibly awkward and for him. I'll, I'll tell you his answer, basically, I don't need to know that. Yeah, I don't need to know that. <laughs> It was hilarious for me and my wife who were who were watching them and like they they hadn't seen each other in a few years and they just look at each other like I don't need to know this. It was really genuine. And again, like I mean, part of that is just the silly like <laughs> chuckles. Like I wasn't sure who I was ever gonna play this with, uh, but I loved the idea of it enough where I was like, okay, I want to buy it, and it actually worked really well. Don't bring it to work. That's not a good it did, Yeah, don't. It's not a nice good like fun fact. No, so. no, no. no. So, fun facts is better. This is, um, but it's, if you have the right group, it's a ball. So the next one I'm going to talk about is one of the first games when I decided um, that when we do our game nights, uh-huh. one of my picks is going to be shuffle shame games, and the next pick I'm going to do the shelf uh, games that I want to get off the shelf again yes. and play again. Yep. This was one of the first ones on my list. In fact, it was the first one we played. You had never played it either. Yes. Uh, I love I this game. I just saw this right now. Yep. It's Freedom, the Underground Road. Yes. It is such a good game. I love the aspect. It's it's not a pretty game by any means. No, it's but, fine. But it's historical. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. It's telling a tough story about the freedom and yep. the abolishing of slavery. But Academy really knocked the, knocked it, it out of the park with this game. For something that's been around since, I think it was 2013 when it came out. So right. it's about 10 years old. Yeah, It is a phenomenal game. I like the fact that you're not only trying to free as many slaves as you can, 
but you're also trying to get funding to abolish slavery, so you want to spend your money to buy tokens to move right. into the next era because you can't do it until you get to the next era. You have a certain amount of rounds to do it in. You have a certain amount of slaves that can be lost. Um, and you have to rescue a certain amount of them, get them into Canada. It is, I, I love everything about it. I like the, where you have the slave catchers. You have to worry about where they're going. They can move through a section because of the slave's hiding. But once they stop, they capture a slave, put it back on the market. Yeah. And if there's no other place to put that slave, they're lost. Yeah. And so I loved every aspect of this game. It's it's a tough game, in all honesty. Right. But um, it's, it's fun to play. That's a big thing about it. But it is very historical. You see... All this stuff because it has pictures from the era. It has yeah. uh, like context and story about it. So yeah, freedom, the underground railroad. Very good. Yeah, I I agree. I'm glad I finally played this. Next game is a game. That, it's a modern game that one of our longtime viewers, um, I forget off the top of my head who it was, was very much pushing for us to try at some point. <laughs> it's a two player only game. It's head to head. Um, where you are trying to... It's post-apocalyptic theme, and you're trying to destroy each other's outposts. Um, this is called Radlands. Oh, I haven't played this one, but I heard Yes. That. Me and my son have been playing it, and he has been requesting it every single day since we since we first played it. We've probably played it about four or five times since then. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting how it works. It works functionally really well. Uh, sometimes you get in, like this little bind where you're like, man, if only I can work my way out of it. Seems like we're kind of like playing the same thing over and over and over. Um, but, I mean, it's heavily strategic, and it works really well. Um, I guess the deluxe version came in, like, a big old box that has, mm-hmm. like, a board or, like, a roll-up mat and all that stuff. Totally doesn't need it. I have a little card box version of it, and that's all it needs. Yeah. A couple decks of cards, some tokens, that's all. Um, I'm probably going to upgrade it to get, like, one or two little other things just to do it. But overall, Bradlands, it was a really fun experience. It's sim- I mean, it's a head-to-head card game, right? Yeah. So you're automatically going to compare it to Magic. It is a very different game on how it works and how it feels as well. You never feel like you have enough to do anything specific at once, <coughs> but there's a lot of multi-use cards in it. So okay, there you go. Uh, Radlands, I can recommend it. Probably about seven out of ten. I'm moving up on my list here because uh, some of the other games I've talked about before, okay. like Abyss and uh, forget about the other one, like New York Zoo. We've talked about yep. these before. But this one I do want to talk about because it's one of the newer games that I've played. It's an older game. It's actually one of the more famous worker placement games. Oh, okay. uh, uh, and I like what it does. And this is Pillars of the Earth. And this is a really, really fun worker placement game. Yep, it's right there. Um, what I like about it is because you're, you're bidding on a certain track to get certain things. But then once the worker placement part of it is when the master builders are coming out. Yep. So you're using your workers to either get you money or get you resources. Your, your little workers. That's it. Your master builders are your worker placement thing. And they come out and there's like a bidding process in a sense. The first one that comes out, it's like, I got to bid seven coins. Yeah, I'll wait. Sure. Next person. Do they want to bid six and so forth? And you're going, and then once someone finally does decide to spend, you know, I'm going to spend that money because I want to get the first spot that I want to go to. You take your builder and you move it somewhere across the board. Um, and one of the many different things, the next thing happens is the thing still gets cheaper. So if I paid five coins, the next person's still only going to pay four coins, and it keeps going until you basically become zero dollars. Um, and then it becomes free to place them out there. And then after that, um, the people that were left behind, the furthest back gets the pick and then so forth. 
But what I really enjoy about this, and um, I, another game I played before it, Lockup does this, it triggers in certain aspects. So you have to do an event. And then number one triggers, which means you can either block an event or gain a resource. Number two triggers, three triggers, and then the worker placement where your people are at, they'll give you cold. And then all the different spots trigger until you're done, then you move into the next round. And it's, it's set, so after the end of each round, you put a new piece of the pillar, uh, or the cathedral, which is what you're building, and that's your timer. Yeah. <coughs> really, really good. I enjoy the mess out of this game. Um, I'm sad I waited this long to play it. Yeah. I, I can't wait to play my version of it, because I just recently picked it up, so I'm like, fine, I guess I'll finally play it, but yeah. Next one I want to talk about was a game from Haba. It's in their family of game line. It's called Mountains. Four minutes. That's fine. Well, I'm not even through February. Um, <laughs> That's so, why I skipped ahead. Right, exactly. No, <laughs> Mountains. It, it's a cool little game where you have all these different uh, tools that are dealt out amongst the players, like canteens and like uh, rope and all these lanterns, lighters, whatever. You have all these different tools, and um, you, you have a bunch of different levels of cards that need either two, three, four, five different numbers of these tools, um, some that are more than others. You're trying to get the most stamps in your little hiking book. Whoever gets the most stamps wins. And the only two resources that there are is you will, from these cards as a reward, you'll either get stamps or you'll get, uh, like, the sharing cubes. I forget what they're actually called, but they're cubes. Where what I can do is I flip over a card and I try and attempt that challenge. Now, if I succeed at the challenge, then... Um, because I just happen to have the cards, then I get the points or cubes that are associated with it. However, if I don't have the right resources, then I can ask other players for help, and I hand slide them a cube. And it's kind of like Old Maid, where I hand you a cube, it's like, hey, can I borrow your lantern? And you're like, well, I don't have a lantern, and you just take the cube, and you get to keep it anyway. <laughs> but if you do have it, then you're like, all right, here it is. There's two copies of each card. Yeah. So you're trying, it has a little bit of memory where it's like old made but memory because you never change your hand. Yeah. So if I know that you have a lantern, I know my wife has a lantern, then I might each give you those if I need both of them. Yeah. So it's like this. It works really well. A little bit of memory. I don't tend to like memory in games. Yeah. This actually works. That's the whole point of it. And it does it in a really neat way. And you have like these little side discussions like, wait, do you have that second lighter? I don't remember. Uh, I'm going to try, and they're like, nope. <laughs> and they just slide that cube right on over to them. It's They're so gratifying. It's silly. Mountains from Haba. It's a really fun family game. Well, since this is going to be the last game I get to talk about, okay. um, I'm going to go ahead and skip all the way to the last game I played. Uh, Unless you want to keep in, going, by the way. Uh, this is back in March 8th. You said an hour, we're hitting an hour. All right, sounds good. Uh, this one is Hamburg. It's a Stefan Feld game. We finally got our SETI collection games. Yep. I did want to make sure I talked about this one because I yep. really did enjoy this. I love multi-use card games, mm -hmm. and I love the way this one works. I've never played Bruges originally. I know there's some differences, like you can pick from the five decks uh, based on the colors. Um, and you're playing cards out. You're either using uh, to get workers to do something. You're either using the workers to help you build something. Basically, it's point salad with a card system. Sure. It's just you're trying to get points in different ways. I really, really did thoroughly enjoy this game. I understand why it's one of the, the favorite stuff on Feld games out there. Yep. I want to try it again to see if it will. I know it's probably top five for me. I want to see where it goes again. Okay. Uh, I do want to play all the... Uh, we did play one other one um, the next time. Go ahead two, and talk about it. Yeah. Uh, the other one we played was Amsterdam, which yep. that one, for me, it was a fine game. It was interesting to play. It overstayed its welcome. Yes. That one, really. 13 rounds or something like that. 12, yeah. 13 rounds, something like that. It was, <laughs> it was long. 
No. It was long. Hamburg was so much fun, and I know we haven't tried the other two. We were planning on it within the next couple of weeks. Right. I'm just going to talk very quickly, very, very quickly about the last ones that we ha- that I played in February. Um, I played out Foxed. At, uh, That's a good uh, one. Yep, I played that. Nice little game, right game, deduction. Yep. A bunch of adults playing a kids deduction game, and mm-hmm. we all had a blast playing it. I played um, Tesla versus Edison, the duel. I finally played that one. Nice. Um, played it with my friend Vince, and we enjoyed it quite a bit. It yeah. does some really neat things. You're trying to like gain area control over different areas by using action cards, and that worked really well. Um, I played uh, Dice Throne Season One rerolled again. Deep Sea Adventure. I played that. And I also played um, Caper Europe, which I finally got a chance to play that. How was that, that one? I actually quite like it. Um, again, okay. you're playing out characters. They can each have three pieces of hardware, three different regions, different regions work in different ways. Really kind of neat. I think you're going to like it a lot. And lastly, Unmatched Houdini versus the Genie. I Your only played. copy of Unmatched. My only copy of Unmatched. And Houdini is freaking awesome. He is super fun the to play. The Genie's really fun, too. Genie was o- overpowered, in my opinion. But, you know, I don't yeah, play it unmatched enough. Yeah. The Genie, the problem with the Genie, though, is that if you get lucky enough and get your yeah. three wishes cards early, then yes, it's a very yes. overpowered. Which my friend did. Yeah. The, the only time I, well. I played the Genie once, I only got one of my three wishes cards yeah. out. Yep. So, uh, quick thing, uh, there's two games that I want to talk about, but I will save that for when we do our Top 8 debate next week. Okay. Uh, just to let everybody know, Top 8 debate next week, Champions Edition. That's right. Number three. three. So, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully you've enjoyed this. I don't know if you did or not. Please <laughs> let us know. Yeah. But join us in a live episode like our friend Ithri did today. Um, you can join us on our live episodes at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames and join in on the chat. As well as all video re-uploads can be found on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what we do, there are three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you're not, like the video, and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games uh, Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. And we would, uh, if you ever want to contact us directly, sorry, I was already going into our outro. If you <laughs> want to contact us directly, you know, whether to say hi, enter in a future contest, or... Uh, send your hate mail to Daniel. You can do that at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. With that being said, we're done. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.